0: welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdana Osband our DAF of the Day. Masachik Jubot DAF Memchet. Page 48. So at the top of page 48, actually going back to page 47 at the bottom of the previous DAF, we have some basic terms and some basic, I would say, obligation of what the husband is obligated to provide for his wife. And we see the sources of it. And we decided, Yerdana, you and I decided, that um, it's it might be something that everybody knows, but it, here it is, right? Here it is in the black and white and kind of fundamentally so. So let's see what it says inside. Ama Rava. So Rava says, and he's going to now quote a Tana from a Breta. Tana Savar Mizonot Midoraita. This Tana, namely the Tana that's coming, um, believed or, or maintained that Mizonot, the sustenance that the husband has to provide for the wife, was a do-right uh, a requirement, that it came at uh, the Torah-level requirement. Titania She'ira, because the word She'ira, meaning the food, that word, that's a verse, it's in the verse um, in Sefer Shemot, chapter 21, Exodus, Um so the, the fact that there's a word meaning food lines up with the mezonah, which is an obligation, and it goes back to the Torah, so that's a Torah obligation. And likewise, it says um, that which they ate, the, the flesh of my people, right? This is a verse from Micha, the Navi, chapter 3, verse 3. And again, it uses this word She'er to mean food or in the context of, of eating. Um, and so therefore, we can understand that that's clearly what Sefer Shmot was talking about, meaning eating. Ta, with clothing, what does that mean? The Gemara says, just what it sounds like, meaning clothing means clothing. You might not have realized, I might not have realized that the word ksuta, ksut means clothing, but in the time of the Gemar, that was a term that made sense. Onata, ona ha'amura so onata, this is what we're going to now call delicately conjugal rights. um And this is also stated in the Torah because it says specifically, in omer, im In Zifir Rishit, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 31, it says, if you shall ta'aneh benotai, if you will now in this case it's a negative term right if you will afflict if you will um not sure I have a better translation for that um my daughters right meaning specifically that the husband cannot deprive the wife of conjugal rights, the rights that goes on oh oh no the the Question is, you know, we've got these three terms, sherksut and ona, what lines up with what? Meaning, they know, we know that the husband has to provide food, clothing, and conjugal rights. But Rebbe says that sherah, specifically that same term that we've just seen to mean, understood to mean food, here is understood to mean ona, the conjugal rights the 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 idea of somebody who is near the to the al i mean you approach to anybody who is near of um the flesh don't draw near to this person right the idea uh means to draw near but the idea here is that they this person is somehow related right that's the it's the prohibition against um we use this verse actually for a few different understandings, but here we're talking about um, arayot, right? It's one of these incestuous relationships, and the word sha'er is there. So why, are you, you know, it's as if the Gemara is saying, why are you using sha'er to mean food, when here it clearly means something of a sexual nature? Ksuta kemashma'o, and again, agrees that ksut means clothing. Onata and he says the word onata refers to Mizono, that's going to be the clo- the food that he is obligated to provide the there's a verse in devarim chapter eight this is recently in the Parsha right where it says he afflicted you and made you suffer hunger meaning before God gave us the man the man in the desert right so the idea being that ona can connect to food and therefore ona means provide food. Um, okay, now we have yet another interpretation. Rebel Ben Yaakov, Almer, right? We had before Rava and then Rebel and then Rebel Ben Yaakov. She'era ksuta, lefum she'era ten ksuta. Rebel Ben Yaakov says that she'era and ksuta should be understood together, namely that the same way that according to her flesh, that's she'era, the flesh, that's the way, I guess that's the best translation also for in the, in the, Leviticus verse that we saw above um, according to the her flesh meaning how old she is what she needs give her her clothing <speaking in Hebrew> meaning don't give an elderly woman the garments of a young girl or the young girl the garments of an old woman I would ask why we need to be taught this meaning why does this need to be a, a a halacha, as opposed to something that's just, you know, a given. Ksuta And then likewise, if you're going to say that she'ira and ksuta need to come together, so also learn that ksuta onata are also linked. La'fum onata ten According to onata, here he's understanding it means the season. Ona meaning the time of year. And that is how ona is often used in modern Hebrew as well. Right, The time of year, give her the clothing. Meaning, don't give new, and here new means, you know, heavy, heavy garments. Don't give, again, it seems to be warm garments. In the rainy season, the point being, you need heavy, warmer clothing in the winter, and you need light clothing in the summer. So that, again, you're going to, by the season, you'll follow the clothing. Um Thus we have or Rebata ben Yaakov has turned all of it to be about clothing, right? Meaning by her by She'er by her flesh, it's going to be clothing of the right um the right style, I guess, for her, and likewise the right season, um, with when you put onata together with ksuta. Rabbi Yosef has another way to understand this, or he's really got a different breita. Tani Reb Yosef Sheira Zo Basar understand the Sheira, this word that has we've understood it to mean either food or um conjugal rights. He says this is the closeness of flesh, meaning specifically as a couple comes together during sexual intercourse, Hagba mean hag That he should he should not treat her in the manner of the Parseim, that's the Persians, the implication being that the couples would have uh, sexual relations while still dressed. Apparently that's considered, I don't don't know, I'm sure we can look at all of the commentaries, there's going to be discussion as to why exactly this was considered, um, whether this is considered Modest conduct that's to be praised, or immodest somehow, inappropriately so. But his point is, still, the couple, the married couple, is going to have kurov basar, that they should come together without their clothes. The Gemara says, well, this, this whole point about the." The sleeping together, not in the manner of the Persians, lines up or gives support to the opinion of Ravhuna, where Ravhuna had said, you know, in a different context, that somebody who says, I will not sleep with my wife unless we are each in our respective clothing, and then the the halacha is that he's supposed to divorce her and give the ketubah money, right? Like, why would what would be so bad about this particular condition that he's putting on the couple? And the answer is, well, no, because the the position here is that the torah's approach is that intimacy between the couple includes intimacy um of their bodies and not hiding i guess um in clothing i you know I think we always talk about modesty um in the context of in the in context, right, so that um I don't know if you were skiing right wearing a full burqa, let's say on the slopes would not be appropriate attire it would not be safe either right um now whether one should be skiing if they're not going to be wearing a burqa. obviously we don't wear a burqa. i'm saying i'm trying to paint the the extreme case just to explain what i mean that you know in the context of the conjugal bed No clothing is considered appropriate. That is the modest attire, as opposed to thinking, as opposed to the couple thinking, oh, we should automatically be more covered up like the Persians. Okay, over to you, Yordina.
1: Yeah, look, I think this is one of these classic Gemara passages, um, very forward thinking, uh, that really lays out sort of what the husband's obligation to the wife is in marriage. Um, I think it's also interesting to see that the core concept of what the three things are, Remain the same, but different Tanaimarim link them to different words, um, and that it's not totally the same. I think Onatam, most people always interpret or are taught in school or in a you know, that that has to do with the sexual relationship. But it was interesting to see that not everybody uses it that way, and that they could, you know, link it to a different world in the in word in the list of three. Um, but this is really sort of like a classic uh, passage. I'm going to move on to the Mishnah that's on uh, the bottom of Amud Aleph, really at the bottom of Amud Aleph, and starts in Amud Bed. And this has to do with the issue of, of, of reshut. Uh, so as forward-thinking as this piece was that you read, Anne, you know, this is the piece that I think does not make people comfortable with sort of uh, how Halakha talks about marriage, that essentially the, the woman goes from the Rasht of her father to the Rasht of her husband, right? right? Right, so le'olam, right? Always a woman is in uh, the authority, under her father's authority, until she enters the authority of her husband uh, in marriage. Masar av l'shulchei habal, harehi habal. If the father delivered her, basically, to husband's messengers, in other words, there are shlichim who come to bring her to the chupa, then at that moment, that's when she's now under fa- her husband's authority. Halacha av shulchei habal, but let's say the father went with those shlichim, or he had his own shlichim that went with her to the chuppah. She still remains in the reshoot of the father. So, in other words, as long as the father still has some involvement till the moment, she's still under that reshut. But if the father sends her with his messengers. And the father's messengers deliver her to the husband's messengers. From that moment on, she's under the husband's uh, authority, under the husband's reshut. The Gemara starts with this interesting question of my la'olam. Like, what does it mean by this term of la'olam? La'puke mi mishnah To exclude the opinion that we saw in 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 another mishnah, and this is a mission that we're going to see on, on depth today, uh, and Zion on 57 that says it's non su man kamash malan liolam. Right? It says there if the time that the groom designated basically for the wedding comes, and for some reason the wedding gets postponed and they're not married, the bride still is entitled to eat from his food, and if he's a priest, can eat from his truma. Um, so the Mishnah here teaches us that this halacha is not in accordance with an, with, with with this earlier r- ruling, right? Because this Mishnah is basically saying, no, she's always under the father's authority until she gets to the time of the wedding. Whereas that Mishnah later on is basically saying, no, once that time comes, even if the chuppah doesn't actually happen. So it's interesting that the Mishnah was, you know, redacted or formulated in a way that it included different opinions. It's not one uniform halakha. And I think that's something we'll think about a little bit more uh, when we get there. And then the Gemara, the Gemara is basically going to go through a machlokas between Rav and Shmuel uh, that talks about sort of like what's the moment of when that, that authority is passed over, right? Is it when the father delivers her? Is it exactly uh, the chupa itself? And it goes through a, different, a few different permutations of this. But I think this whole concept of the olam, the Gemara recognizes it's a very interesting formulation. And I think part of what, and again, in a very normal, I think we should be used to this if we've been doing daf Yomi, you know, the, the Gemara wants to get into, in the mission as well, like what's the exact moment when that reshoot is handed over, right? Does it have to be through chupad? Does it have to just be the time that the chupad should have happened? And I think that's a lot of the granularity of what they're trying to get into here. And the fact that we even have two missions that seem to disagree with each other is interesting as well.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that it's one of those times where we say, look, Halacha is really dictating everything, you know, in their lives. I, it's it's already trite to say that, but but we do see it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank reviews and all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.